I am so excited to have my first guest on the Business School podcast this week. I think you guys are really going to love this conversation that I have with Nick DeGruccio. Nick is an associate director of planning at M6 and Partners, and since graduating from Marist College, Nick has navigated the agency world and started building his career by saying yes to things more than he says no, and by looking for the best people to work with. In this episode, Nick talks about how to find balance in your job, follow your heart and your instincts, the importance of building great relationships, and how you should build a strong foundation and learn durable skills, all of which I think are extremely important as you start to build your career. So I think this is going to be such a valuable episode for everyone to hear. I hope you guys all enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. So let's get into it. Awesome. So Nick, hi, and welcome to joining the Business School Podcast. You are officially the first guest that I've ever had on the podcast, and I'm so excited to chat with you today. Um, For anyone who's tuning in, thanks for listening to the very first podcast where we have a guest coming on. This was always my dream when I started the Business School Podcast just a few months ago was to not have you just listening to me talk on and on about my work experiences, but actually bringing you amazing examples of folks who have been in your shoes before, who have started, broke into an industry, got their first job and are working their way up in um, in an in industry that they're passionate about. So I'm so excited to introduce you all to Nick DeGruccio today. Nick is currently the Associate Director of Planning at M6 and Partners in New York City, which is an advertising agent, part of the WPP holding company of agencies. Nick graduated from Marist College with his bachelor's degree, and I'll let Nick fill you in on the rest, but he's had um, about seven or eight years working in the agency world in New York City. So Nick, welcome. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I mean, of all the people you've worked with in your illustrious career to have me as the first guest, I'm honored. A little nervous because it's a it's a high bar, but I'm really excited to be here. So thanks again for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, I actually think I called in a ringer. And I think you've been holding out on me because I saw on your LinkedIn that you actually wore, were a host on a radio show at Marist. You know, it's uh, yes. a show called the Sunday Dinner. Sunday Dinner, yes. It was me and my buddies, uh, Tom and Lou. Originally, I wanted the show to be called Me and You Plus Lou, but Lou was not a fan of that. So um, as part of the communications, you know, kind of major at Marist, there was a radio show you could take advantage of. So we're like, oh, we'll do it for fun. So it was the three of us. And uh, the only time slot that because we, we, of course, were a little late to sign up was five to seven on Sunday nights. So we're like, all right, well, what do we call this? And the three of us all have vowels at the end of our last name. We're all Italian. So we're like, you know what? Sunday dinner. So it started off talking about sports and then it just kind of turned into whatever. And uh, our friends would dial in. They would call in with like questions. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We just, it was just us hanging out, but we would just record it. And I think we got like, you know, 20, 25 viewers, listeners one time, which was pretty good for us, honestly. So we were pretty proud. That's awesome. Well, you officially have way more experience than I do being live and on the air. So I love that. Awesome. So you were at Marist, part-time working on a Sunday radio show. Why don't you tell the audience how you got your first job out of college or what you were doing in school if you were working at the time? You can really start at the very beginning. Yeah, absolutely. So I went to Marist College, which was honestly the best decision I ever made. Just from just a growing up perspective in and outside the classroom, I just learned a lot about myself, about life. Um, 
I have friends that I'm still lifelong friends with. They'll be in my wedding. Like I'm super excited, you know, about that opportunity. I studied abroad, which, you know, for anyone listening, I would hundred percent recommend, even if you're afraid or even if you don't have anyone to go with, just go outside your comfort zone. You will learn so much about life and about yourself, just traveling. Um, even if you don't speak the language, I, I would really recommend it. It's just such an incredible experience. I've always said that that was the peak, right? That was 2015 for me. It's all, it's been all downhill, but obviously a lot of great <laughs> things coming, but you just, you just learn so much and the memories and the bonds that you form, you really can't replicate. But um, yeah, I love Maris. Went there for four years. I studied sports communication. Uh, growing up, I wanted to be like a, an athlete. Obviously, I realized that wasn't for me. I, I just didn't have the skills or the drive, but I still wanted to be involved in sports. So I said, OK, maybe I can be like a journalist or a sports broadcaster. I love to talk. I was like, you know, that, that could be a good path for me. So, you know, that's one of the things that attracted me to Maris was the sports communication major. So I said, OK, let me try that out. And, uh, you know, I took all the classes. Um, I did some internships. I worked with some people who worked at ESPN, some famous people. Uh, I worked for the New York Cosmos soccer team as an internship in college. So I really tried to stick with sports and really try to make that my path. And then the older I got and I, the, you know, the closer I got to graduation, I kind of realized when you look at sports broadcasting, first of all, it's a really hard industry to crack into. You have to pay your dues in like small cities like you know Huntsville, Alabama or, you know, Anchorage and things like that. And I was like, I don't know if I could be away from my family and friends for that long. Like, I don't know if I want it bad enough to make that sacrifice. Plus, I realized obviously all the games are at night or on the weekends. That's a lot of time away from my potential family that when I get older and my wife and my kids. So I was like, again, I don't know if I love it enough to take the risk without, you know, 100% paying off. So towards the end of, you know, college, uh, towards graduation, I decided, okay, well, if that's not the path, what do I do? Right. Like, what is for me? And, and Maris was great in a lot of areas the center for career services wasn't the best. Right. So there wasn't really anyone to kind of help me out or guide me to where I needed to go. Um, and I, you know, I grew up in a town where there's a lot of, you know, very wealthy people and a lot of, you know, dads would give people jobs and uncles and neighbors and things like that. And, you know, I unfortunately just didn't have that help. Um, that's part of the reason I wanted to be on this podcast and also just something I've really strove to do in my career is just lend the hand to someone down the ladder because I didn't have that. And, you know, it, Maybe I am and, and think about it for having to work through those tribulations, but it also is a little nicer and easier for someone when you at least have someone be like, don't make the same mistakes I did, right? I don't need anyone to open any doors for me, you know, just crack it open a little, I'll kick down the rest. That's always been my kind of mantra. But um, as I was kind of approaching graduation, my family, friends, everyone was like, don't get a job right away. Like if you don't already have one lined up, like take the summer off, you're going to work for the rest of your life, like enjoy being young. And that's what I did. I took the summer off of 2016. I hung out with my friends. I went on some, you know, some road trips and just really enjoyed myself. And then kind of as the fall came, I, I started doing like babysitting and some other odd jobs just to make some, you know, spending money as I started to apply to real jobs. Um, and then it was around November of 2016. I was looking, applying to jobs every day, Indeed, LinkedIn, all, all the places you do. And I got a few interviews. I even got a few jobs, but they just didn't feel right. Some were like, kind of felt like a little sketchy. Some were just like, weird hours, things like that. So I, you know, was striking out a little bit. There was a few jobs I really wanted, got to the final round of interviews, didn't get it, which is honestly a great experience. Just, you know, rejection, but understanding the feedback of why, right? Sometimes it was lack of experience. Sometimes it was, you know, the candidate provided a stronger, you know, recommendation than me, things like that. So that was all really good for me. And my ex-girlfriend at the time actually um, got a job at a different media agency. And she's like, well, I actually had an interview lined up at Maxis, which is now Wavemaker, which is also part of program, you should apply there. And I was like, well, what I got to lose, right? I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what media was. I didn't know this was an industry or anything like that. So I applied um, that like a week later, I got a call that I got two interviews on two separate clients at Maxis. So I, they wanted me to come in for an interview. So I was like, okay, cool. So I went to the city, went to the, went to the interview. 
I would find out later that I actually got both of the jobs, right? And I didn't get to choose which one um, they chose for me, which I again found out later once I, you know, work there that I got the better of the two for sure. It was a it was a bigger team with a lot more support, with a, a little bit of an easier client in terms of just like demand and things like that. So um, I definitely think that was really helpful for me. But yeah, starting in January of 2017, I started as an associate of digital investment uh, at Maxis. Amazing. Um, I think what stood out to me so much in you telling sort of your, you know, applying for jobs and really taking that time to have some space after college. And then, you know, this job sort of happening is that you seem to, you seem to just trust your instincts. And I think that's super important. And I don't think people do it enough because, you know, also 2016 may be a little different than kind of the information onslaught in this world we live in now. I know that's not that long ago, but the world has changed so much. And I think there's just so much information out there. Like you should do this. You can't take time off. Like you have to start work. You know, there's, there's just a lot out there and a lot of pressure. And what I loved about what you were saying is how you really just took time to think about what's going to make you happy eventually. I love that you know, take the summer because you'll be working the rest of your life, like have some fun with your friends. And then when this opportunity came up, when your ex-girlfriend said, I'm not taking that interview, but you should, you know, something in you just said, yeah, like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have these conversations. You had the sketchy jobs. I love it. That you babysat. Like you were, you were doing whatever you could just to kind of piece it together until you found that, that right thing. That was your right thing for the first, for your first job, not right forever, but right to kind of get your foot in the door somewhere and get started. Um, so I love that. Um, can you tell the audience a little bit about what that experience was like being like lowest on the corporate ladder or that lowest rung when you started? And just there's probably a lot of folks who are listening to this who aren't familiar with uh, how ad agencies work and how they support clients. I, I've lived and breathed this world for 18 years, so I certainly know it well. But maybe you can just talk a little bit about what your role actually was when you started. Um, and um, yeah, we can we can just go from there. I think the <laughs> part of that question first. So yeah, in terms of what the role was, so as an associate, like you mentioned, you're pretty much the lowest you know, man or woman on the totem pole. You're at the bottom. Um, you do a lot of the day-to-day -day tasks. Um, and it's funny because when you start... People who have been there for a while, just they'd say like, it's very unique. It's very nuanced industry, as you know. And eventually one day it just clicks, right? In the first few months, you know, obviously like commuting every single day from Long Island and, and working in this office, like I just wasn't, I wasn't clicking. I didn't, again, there's no classes in college that really teach you about this. So I, I was getting frustrated, but I kept, you know, working my tail off. I was like, I'm going to get this at some point. I don't know, maybe five or six months in one day I was just working and it's like a light bulb went off and I was like, I got it. I get it now because all the tasks you do on a day-to-day -day basis seem very like menial and, and very redundant, but then you realize it's all part of this big web, right? Like you need to do this, which leads to this, which leads to this. And that's how the ad gets on ESPN.com or whatever. And once you kind of have that like brain blast Jimmy Neutron moment, you're like, okay, everything just started to get easier for me. Um, so basically what I would do is just make sure that obviously all the internal systems were updated, right? So if we're working with X partner, make sure that the dollars are in this system, that matches the flowchart that the client sees, right? So it's just a lot about organization and making sure that everything is kind of speaking to each other. Everything's on the same page. Everyone is on the same page, right? When we have status meetings, um, it's a lot of, you know, inputting data into systems. It's a lot of reporting, billing. Um, and then as you kind of grow and master those tasks, then it becomes more of like client communication, right? And, and working with our, our vendor partners. So whoever that might be, I don't know, the Spotify's, ESPNs of the world, right? So making sure that you know, you're taking what they're giving you and you're passing to the client. And, and I think 
as you know, the, the ad agency world, it's a lot about being the person in the middle, right? It's taking information from one place, packaging it up nicely and passing it to someone else, then taking that information, same thing, right? So you're just kind of working in the middle, um, which is great because you get to see both sides and you get to see things happen from start to finish, um, which is exciting, but can also be really frustrating at times if, you know, people are slow getting you things that you need. Um, so there was a lot of late hours, um, you know, sometimes... 60, 70, 80 hours a week, uh, which wasn't great, obviously, but um, I was really proving to myself that I could do it, right? This was my first real job. Like I said, no one really gave me any handouts, so I really wanted to do it. So if that meant I had to work till 10 o'clock on a Friday night, I was going to do it. I mean, I shouldn't, don't do this, listeners, but there was a time where I worked so late. It was like two or three in the morning. I just slept in the office because I was like, well, there's no trains home to Long Island, as you know. So I was like, I'll just stay here. Right. And I had just took off my button down, just wore a white T-shirt the next day. So, you know, it was one of those things that there was challenging moments, but it was a really great place to start because there was a lot of people who were really hungry to learn and to succeed. But also it kind of felt like a family. I was part of a team of like 30 people. So you really got to know people in and outside the office, you know, people, the name of their kids, of their dog, you know, of their their partners. So it was really nice because. You always felt like if you didn't know the answer, if you just needed to vent or talk to someone, someone was always there because they've been through what you've been through. Um, and that really helped me because as as you know, like work is important. You have to do the work, of course, but like life happens outside of work, right? Like your grandparents die, you you break up with people, you know, things like that. So sometimes you're not in the best headspace for work, right? And that's just how it is. And you have to manage that internally. Okay, well, I have to get this work done, but I also have to take care of myself. Like Maybe I need to go on a walk and do, you know, stay late to finish the work, things like that. So that was great. Um, and I, again, like in our industry, especially the the money when you first start out isn't great, right? It's pretty low end, especially when you're looking at your friends who are accountants, they work in finance, lawyers, you know, doctors, things like that. So that's a little bit, you know, frustrating as well. But what you don't make in money compensation, you make in experiences, right? There's a lot of time to go out with with vendors and you get to do cool things, go to the Yankee games and go to concerts and get to, you know, go out for drinks and food. So you get to experience, you get to network, you get to meet people. So it might not be, like I said, rich in compensation, but it's rich in experience. And I think it's really all about framing your mindset is don't look at your paycheck because it's never going to always stay like that. Hopefully, right. It's always going to improve. It's all about making the connections and learning the skills that you can take with you to your next role. And I think that's what I use that for. Just like it was a crash course, right? It was a machine that one. If we got, you know, you got someone from college, they move on or they get promoted. You just replace them in the cog and the, and, and the machine and the wheel keeps turning. So it was just about me making sure I was honing all the skills that was needed. And then when there was more tasks for me to take on and step up, I was just hoping and, and willing to do that. Awesome. I love that you touched upon mindset there and just really pulling out all the positives that, can otherwise, it can look pretty lonely at the bottom sometimes, right? Like you're working 80 hour weeks, sleeping in the office. I think there are a lot of people who struggle to find the positives when things are really hard. And in particular, it sounds like, to, like in your experience, having such a great network of like your co you refer to your coworkers as family. I think that's so special and so unique. If you were giving advice to someone who maybe just isn't uh, doesn't feel as comfortable yet at work there's still maybe it was like you know your first you said up until like five or six months you were still trying to like find your way well, how what were some ways that you networked 
and really got to know your coworkers and started to create that or like fit into the family that I presume was, you know, already going when you sort of entered into the picture. But for some people, it can be really intimidating. What was your approach when you stepped into this family, knowing you needed to quickly make friends and, and start networking? How'd you do it? Yeah. So that, that's a, that's a great question. I think for me, it was, it's advice I give to, you know, like my cousins or my nephew or younger people when they go to college too, is like, try not to say no to things, right? Like, even if it's something you don't want to do, like, for example, in college, I know one of my friends invited me to a slam poetry event. I'm not a big poetry guy at all, but I say, why not? Let me try it. And I had a great time and it was cool. Got to meet people. That's kind of was my approach to work is if there was company events or like happy hours and, and I was invited, you know, I would go. You're grooving at your job, feeling like you're part of the family. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you knew it was time for the next step, whether that was a promotion or did you have to leave? You know, what, when did you kind of hit your ceiling in that first role and when did you know you were ready for the next step? Yeah, this is, this is something super important, I think. And, and it's hard and it's a case by case basis. But for me, uh, I worked there for about a year and a month and I could see that things were changing a little bit on our team. Um, like the leadership was kind of enacting different policies and rules. We had moved offices. Um, we were right by Penn Station, which was super convenient for me. It would take me five minutes to get to the office, which was amazing. And then we were, we moved offices a little further uptown, you know, towards Columbus Circle. And then we we're moving to the World Trade Center. And I was like, I don't know if I want to add an extra 30 minutes to my commute. Um, so I was already kind of be like, oh, I don't love this. And then a lot of the people that I really like trusted and respected at the company were leaving. Um, so around one year, I had my meeting with my manager and I was like, how am I doing? They're like, we love you. Like, we're, we're happy you're here. You're doing great work. Like, you know, there are obviously some areas of improvement, of course. Um, but they were like, we just don't have any room to promote you right now. So obviously, you know, in three months, you know, we'll see where we're kind of at. And I was like, do I want to wait three months? Right. So I, I kind of sat down. I said to myself, all right, well, what do I want? Right. I think I'm ready for the next you know, role. I think I'm ready for the promotion. Um, but also I want more responsibility. But as you mentioned, I had gotten really close and I got with with my coworkers and my friends. And I really was like, you know, do I want to rock the boat and risk it? Because, you know, sometimes the grass isn't always greener. But I said, you know what, let me apply to some jobs. Right. And recruiters had reached out to me on LinkedIn because obviously once you get around a year, um, if they don't see a title change, they usually think, you know, it's, it's free to reach out and potentially, you know, maybe poach you. So I said, let me reach out. So I, I applied to a few companies. Um, some were some bigger agencies and I kind of wanted something a little smaller. Um, like I, you know, I enjoyed, like I said, my friends, but the grind was getting to me a little bit. I really wanted something a little more stable, right? Like I never knew what was going to be a late night. And I said, okay, well, if I can get something that, you know, nine to five doesn't exist, right. As you know, but if I can get something <laughs> where, where I know I can go to the gym every day after work, like, let me try to get that. So I ended up getting a job, uh, offer from a company called Tarmigan, which is a very small kind of boutique media agency. They do only B2B financial services clients. I mean, I had worked on a CPG brand for the past year. So that was obviously something different. Um, and I was like, it seemed small. And in the interview, they talked about how they're really close and it's more like business-like in the sense that it's more like finance where it's like, there's very, you know, it's nine to five, pretty much every day, nine to five 30. There's bonuses. It's more like corporate in the sense, like there's a dress code and things like that. So I thought of, you know, it seemed a little bit more steady from like an hour's perspective, um, less, interesting from like a going out and, and doing things and meeting people perspective, but it just seemed more like a, a steady job, which is what I was interested in at the time. So, you know, I, I kind of took all the factors at play. I was like, okay, it's obviously a raise. It's obviously a title promotion, uh, you know, but 
you know, those are the pros. It's also close to Penn Station, another pro, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss the work I'm doing with the people I'm doing it with, which is a con. But I think sometimes when all the signs are pointing to something, at least this is how I perceive it, I said, okay, my friends are leaving. Things are changing. I'm feeling a little iffy about this now. I said, I think it's the right decision. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I think um, sometimes you have to take the risk, uh, not knowing what the outcome will be. And I think uh, it worked out really well. But for me, I think that's how I knew when things started to shift and the people I liked started to change jobs or roles, I figured it was time for me to go. I've, I've had such similar experiences in my career. And I think that's such a key point to bring up is at, at all the companies I've worked for, I've kind of picked like one or two people who I've really admired, who maybe I'm not even that close with, but I just think they are the smartest people. And I kind of say to myself, like, if that person leaves, then I know it's time to go. <laughs> like, right. if, if you start to see those people make different decisions, um, then maybe it's time to go too. So I think that was that was really smart. And I think also your ability to just see things for what they are and take a risk. If it like, like you said, if it works out great, if it doesn't work out, okay, that's fine too. Cause I've done this before. I know how to get other jobs and you know, it, it'll be, it'll be an experience either way. So I think that's really important too, to share with people that sometimes you just have to take those risks and sometimes they work out. Um, and sometimes they don't. And that's part of what makes your story so great. So I love that. So you were, so you're at this new agency and now I'm curious was everything that they sort of sold you on? Did that end up being the truth? The truth was it more nine to five? Did you feel more stable working at that agency versus Group M? Yeah, a hundred percent. In terms of hours, I you know I would get there at eight thirty and I'd work to about five thirty every day. I, I could pretty much take an actual lunch break for the first time. I mean, at, at you know Max's, I was pretty much eating at my desk, uh, which was fine. You know, it is what it is. Um, but this place. Again, it was more like finance focus. You went out for like lunches. Like I go out for an hour and come back. Nobody would bat an eye. I would leave at pretty yeah. much 530 every day. I think maybe I can count on one hand the amount of times I worked past like eight there in a, in a year and a half. Um, so that was nice. Like I made the 608 every day with my friend who lived like a, a town over. I was in the gym by seven-ish pretty much every day. So that was really nice. And it was nice to know that I had a routine and, and it was nice to know I could do things after work, right? Outside of work, I could see my girlfriends at the time. I could go to a Yankee game with some friends, right? Like I wasn't going to have to cancel last minute because a project came up. So that was really nice. Um, the work was a little challenging because again, it's really finance specific. And I was a communication major in college. I never really had an interest in the finance world that much. So a lot of the terms and, and kind of the things we were advertising for the products and the companies I had to learn from scratch um, and luckily, there was a lot of people, excuse me, at the company who are really well versed in that. So I kind of leaned on them, especially in the beginning, to get that knowledge and, and learn about the clients. And I did a lot of research. I listened to podcasts, watch YouTube videos just about the different industries and the products. So I at least seemed well versed because it's, it's tough to, you know, advertise or market for a product or a you know, service you don't understand. Right. Especially when you're yeah. marketing B2B, you know, professional to professional, they know their stuff. So you have to, too. And you have to show up in environments that are going to be relevant to them and they're going to make sense because if you don't, they're not going to take the brand seriously because they know, you know, where a company like that or a product like that should be advertised in. Um, so that was a little bit challenging for me, but it was very refreshing to have a lot more of a stable, you know, work week and a routine. Awesome. And I'm sure, I'm sure just adding 
more experiences and more different types of clients is never a bad thing. Um, as you go on now, you can say you've had experience on B2B versus, um, I think you mentioned you're working on um, CPG brands before. So just kind of giving you that, that uh, wide scope from the beginning, I think is always um, such a great place to start. Not focusing too early, being open to working with different brands and in different markets. So I think that's awesome. Great. So you were there about a year and you, you got the, you got the feeling again, it was time, time for a change. Yeah. So this one was actually an interesting one because I was there for about a year and a half. I got promoted from planner to senior planner about eight months in. And I would say, um, I really loved it there. I did again, the work wasn't the most exciting I've ever done there, but I really enjoyed, you know, the, the, the routine and the people I was working with. Um, and it was one thing that I took from my first company, because like I mentioned, you know, that was like a family. We we're all really close, you know, in the office, but also outside the office. And when I got to the second company, people were close. But like I said, it felt very much more like business like there were a lot of older you know, folks with kids. So there wasn't a lot after work. And so what I really wanted to do was establish a culture and, and you know, an inclusive one of anyone of any age or it doesn't matter who you are. Or what you are, but if you want to come out and you want to hang out and you know lean on each other both professionally and personally, I, I wanted to kind of build that. So slowly but surely, I kind of I built that there in terms of like getting people to feel comfortable doing things after work at a happy hour or just in office events or even just sitting with different people at lunch and just kind of learning about their experiences, you know, from a personal professional level. So I really tried to establish something that I felt proud of, and I think that the company needed because. Up until that point, you know, it was kind of this weird divide where there was the older folks who obviously went home to their kids and and their families and their lives. And the younger people were kind of just like all working there, but there wasn't as much like connective tissue. Right. We all work together and we're coworkers, but I, don't, I wouldn't say that anyone is really friends. And that's something that at least mm -hmm. you know, anyone listening to this, I would I would advise just to, to listen to this part, especially is that. If you like the people you work with, it makes the work easier. It makes the work go by faster. Uh, you know, obviously, listen, the work has to get done and, you know. It could be challenging. It could be fun. But if you can at least turn to the person next to you and you know, crack a joke and laugh, like it makes it easier, especially, you know, in a world where five days a week we're commuting every single day. You know, you, you spend a lot of time with these people more than your partners, your family, your friends. So when you work with people you trust and things like that and you like, it makes it a lot easier. So I really enjoyed it there. We, I helped build that culture. I felt pretty strongly. I got the promotion. Um, and then it's something you've mentioned in some of your earlier podcasts, but especially this industry, but probably all industries are, are very small, right? It may seem very big, but it's very small. Um, so when I, I got to Tarmigan in like February, around June of 2018, um, we needed a manager, right? And I was only just a planner. So I was like, okay, who do I know as a manager? So I thought back from my last job um, and a few people for that were on other teams that I worked with that I knew were you know ready for that promotion. And I reached out to one of them and I was like, hey, are you interested? Like, here's the job description, everything, the salary, the vacation, the benefits. He was like, yeah, why not? I, you know, I think I'm ready for promotion. I'm, you know, getting married soon. I think I need a little bit of a raise, start pay for that. So he came over, he got the job um, and we worked together again. So we worked together at the first company. We're on the same team, but same company. And then same thing. He came over here, um, not on the same clients, but obviously same company. So we worked together again. And then in the summer of 2019, around August, his old boss from our first company reached out to him and was like, hey, we just onboarded a new client at M6. Um, I need two managers are you interested? And do you know anyone else who's interested? And I was like, he said to me, he's like, what do you think? Like, you're probably ready for this. And I, and I didn't really want to leave again. Cause I was pretty happy, but 
it was also like I mentioned, there was also that time where like, again, some of the people that I really trusted and like really enjoyed working with were starting to think about leaving. So it seemed like the perfect storm again. Um, and the client that I ended up working on that I'm still working on, it's just one that I was really excited about. Uh, I used their products as a kid. I still do to this day. So the chance to work with someone I like again on something that I'm really passionate about, I don't want to pass that up. Right. And then obviously the promotion and the raise that it comes with is also great. So I said, you know, again, same conversation with myself. Like, all right, do we take this risk? Right. And I was like, this time I didn't want to leave as much, but I also thought from a professional opportunity standpoint, this was going to bring me more joy. I think I was going to enjoy working on this product a lot more than what I had been working on. But from a personal perspective, right, going back to Group MWP, I knew it was going to be a little bit of a grind, but I was ready for that. I had the stability. I enjoyed it. But now I was excited to like kind of stimulate my mind and, and my work and really be more excited and passionate about it, which I hadn't been as much at the, at the second job. Wow, that is such a good story. You brought someone over and then he ended up bringing you back. And you guys were, were kind of like a team in that whole, um, that whole thing. That's amazing. And I think just really, this is like, you know, just hits me so hard because I feel so passionate about this, that um, the relationships that you build throughout your career are more important than pretty much anything else you do. I mean, you have to be, you have to build your own reputation as well. But I feel like the two go hand in hand with, I have someone in my career who, I say if he went and started a new team at the sanitation department of New York city, like I'd probably go <laughs> like, I'd be like, okay, sure. I will collect trash in New York city because I would just love to work for you again. Um, so and I think that's awesome. <laughs> you know, what's so funny about this whole story. And honestly, the, I, the people listening, it's going to sound made up when I get to the end, but I promise it's not. So, <laughs> so, so I had always seen him around the office in my first job. Right. And he looked very familiar, but I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know him. And I was watching the Belmont Stakes, the horse race, in, I think, June of 2017. And they were panning uh, to, like, a restaurant in Brooklyn, at Williamsburg, where my mom is from and my dad, when he came from Italy, lived. And that's where they met. And it was basically because the, one of the guys who owned the horse was from the neighborhood. And my parents knew him very well. My dad owned a pasta store. He was always there. Um, so they panned to this restaurant. It's like a little bit of a watch party. And I see him there. My friend, and, I, and that obviously we're friends. And I'm like, wait a second. I know that guy. I work with that guy. It gets crazier. Don't worry. And then I go up to him on Monday and I was like, hey, were you were you at Lamonti's on Saturday? And now he's like a little off put because he's like, who is this guy? And why is he bringing it? And I was like, no, no, no. Like, and I explained why. It turns out that like, you know, his cousin is my cousin, right? Our families are from the same small town in Italy. Um, all the things that we do growing up traditions are all the same because it's, again, they're from the same small town that came to New York from the same place. So like, you know, my cousin, he's the godfather of him from confirmation, right? So there was a lot of these similarities. So we became really close. And then just to flash forward and tie it back to what you just said, he worked with me at the first agency, then I brought him to the second, and then he brought me to the next one. And then he actually left that agency because he got a job with the department of sanitation. No, uh, I swear to God, it was just an easier schedule for him, you know, more consistent. Um, he was having kids. Yeah. So he was like, I'm going to yeah. do it. And I did not follow him there just yet. But when you said that, I was like, I got to tell the story because I swear I'm not making it up. That's exactly what happened. Uh, and he's super happy. I'm super happy for him. I was at his wedding. Um, he'll be at mine, hopefully. Um, he's got a great, beautiful family, two children. So I'm super happy for him. But yeah, the connections and the friendships are honestly the, the most important part. That's awesome. And that is so uncanny because I use that expression every time I talk about this person or anytime I just talk about relationships with someone who like 
you would follow. That's really funny. So here you are now back where you started, but in a much different role. You're a whole different level now. Um, oftentimes I get asked, and I'm sure you get asked this too, you know, is it, are those promotions and those big jumps in role and salary, has your experience kind of taught you that sometimes you need to leave a company and then maybe find your way back? Or should people really just kind of like stick it out where they are and wait for those promotions to happen? You know, where do you see, like, what has your experience been? I know you kind of left and now you're back and in a much different role. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Leaving and waiting for a promotion or staying and waiting for a promotion or leaving and making a jump and trying something new? Yeah, no, that that's definitely something I've wrestled with a lot. I think there's a few factors at play, especially for me. Number one, obviously, in our industry, and, and I don't know on other industries, I can't speak of it, but I would assume it's probably the same. If you jump for some reason to another place, usually you'll get more money than if you stay, which obviously is obviously a way to attract you know potential employees to come over and things like that. But to me, never made a ton of sense because if you have someone who knows the business, knows the company, knows all the operations – keeping them would just be so much easier because it's less training and less onboarding you have to do, but that's beside the point. So I think it also depends for me, like where I was in life, right? Like I wanted that stable job. So I made that jump and then I wanted to work on a client I was passionate about. So I stayed, so I, sorry. So I made that jump again. Um, and then I got promoted at this current company at M6 and then um, I'm still here now. And I, for me, I just, it, what I want more than anything at this point is just to work with people that I like and work for people that I trust and respect. So even though, you know, I probably, if I left, could get, you know, get more money elsewhere, that's not what matters to me now. And I think you just have to decide when you're going out and looking for jobs, what matters to you? Like, what are you looking for? Are you looking for challenging and exciting work with the clients or with, you know, the team or the business you work for? Are you looking for something stable and consistent where, you know, like, these are my responsibilities. These are my jobs. Are you looking just to, you know, work with people you like and care about? Like, I think it just depends. And I think um, it's always about finding the balance that you're looking for. What is it you need, but also what is it you're willing to give, right? Because if you want this job, it might mean a little bit more sacrifice and time away from your life, your friends, your family. Um, so if you're really willing to go for it, then you have to be willing to maybe sacrifice a little more. Um, if you want something that's a little you know, easier and, and maybe not as stimulating, then that's fine too. But for me, I've always just followed my heart and my instincts. And I've always trusted in the fact that the places I've left, I've never burnt any bridges. I've always tried to be really respectful and I've always gone to the head of my team or the company and always just said like, thank you so much for having me. Like, I hope one day we can work together again. And when I came, you know, to this job in the beginning, I was struggling a little bit. Um, it was really fast paced. I was on a few different clients and um, I was like struggling. And, and my old, you know, boss from my old team texted me and she was like, how you liking it? And I was like, honestly, I'm struggling. I want to stick it out, but I am struggling. And she was like, just so you know, if you decide, you know, you want to come back, your spot is waiting for you. Um, and so that to me was super important too. And I think that's one thing I would also kind of push onto your listeners is don't burn any bridges. Always treat everyone with respect, um, whether it's the CEO uh, or the person who works at the front desk, it doesn't matter. Uh, all relationships matter. The way you treat people matters. Um, and you never know when you might need those relationships to come in and bail you out or to do you a favor or vice versa. So um, I knew it was time to leave and I took the chance knowing that I could come back. I didn't know that at the time. Um, it was great to know. And I stuck it out and I'm happy I did because I'm, I'm very happy where I am now. But it's important, I think, 
for you to just trust yourself. And if, if things don't work out, um, you can either go back or you can just find something else. Um, but if you feel it in your heart and in your mind that, you know, something needs to change, then I say take the leap because you'll do a lot more damage if you stay when you shouldn't than if you take the leap and fail because you'll learn from that failure regardless. Okay, I jumped here and it didn't work because of X and Y. So now I know in my next role, I definitely want to avoid that and I want to look for something else. So I've just kind of always tried to follow my heart and, and what my instincts were telling me. And, it, and it's worked out for me luckily so far, but I'm always prepared for it to not work out just because um, that's just sometimes how life goes. Oh my God. So I'm like furiously writing notes as you're talking because there's so many good nuggets of knowledge in there. First, you know, your whole point about never burning bridges and the fact that you would go to, you know, whether it's the CEO or the head of your group or whoever, you know, the leader at the time when you were leaving and saying, thank you so much. I think looking someone in the eye and having that conversation is so important. And so often those conversations aren't happening. Um, I just love that that was like, you know, it, you know, your instinct was to go in and just make sure that that is taken care of. And I love that. And I also just love the thought of your old manager texting you and saying, checking in and saying, how's it going? Not, you know, not only did um, checking in to see how's it, how it's going and let you know you can come back, but like what an amazing manager. You don't even work for this person anymore, but they genuinely care about you. I think like those are the type of people you want to surround yourself with and the type of relationships that you want to foster um, and really grow and build. So I love that so much. Sometimes when you know that it's time to leave, you could almost do more damage by staying. And I think that's, that's super important. And I have been there before because when you, when you and your mind are already checked out and you're ready for something else and you want something else, it's really hard to do the job you have. And it shows in your work too. You really have to love what you do. So I just love that point you made that like, sometimes it can be worse to stay because then that's when things can start to disintegrate. Maybe you don't leave on great terms because you just get frustrated. So I think, you know, being able to kind of be one step ahead of it too and not worry about getting a job when you're desperate, but taking those opportunities as they arise, um, I think is super smart. So I just love that you brought that up. Um, so if you were to give someone who is just graduating college, maybe they're looking for their first job, maybe they took, they're going to take this summer off. Maybe that's your first piece of advice. <laughs> take this summer off yes. and do some fun things. Um, what is some advice that you would give someone starting, you know, you 26, you in 2016, ready to tackle the world. What, what do they need? To uh, the biggest advice I would give is probably don't stress yourself out too much, right? Obviously, you know, everyone comes from different circumstances. Some people need the income immediately. Some people are lucky, fortunate enough to be able to take a little bit more time until they find something right, but it's all part of a process and it's all part of a learning, uh, it, your dream job right off, off the bat because something where you get to test yourself, right? Where you get to learn either a skill you have or a industry you're not too familiar with. Somewhere where you get to learn a lot of things and you wear a lot of different hats um, just because it just makes you a well more a, a more well-rounded employee, excuse me. So you get the opportunity to do different things, to work with different people on different pieces of business. Um, and I think don't look at the, you know, the salary and let that off put you or excite you either way. I think you need to look at the job description. And I think, you know, if you get an interview, I think you need to really 
base a lot of your decision off of the vibes you get from the people you interview with. And when you walk through the office um, or if you meet with different people, how they act with each other, is it lively or does it sound like a cemetery in there, right? Like those are the little things that matter because in any industry you work in, and if you do well and you work hard and you succeed and you have a little help and a little luck, you'll be making more and more money as you you know grow up. That's just how it goes. But I think that first job, it's all about learning the durable skills that you can use wherever you go, having a strong foundation, um, and then also working in a place where you feel like you can be yourself. I think that's another thing that people don't talk about a lot. Um, today, In today's day and age, I feel like everyone is trying to label everybody. Everyone is so divided. At the end of the day, I think the most important thing I can tell anyone, and regardless of the industry you work in or may work in, the work is the work. It's going to be fun and exciting and challenging no matter what client you work on or what company you work for. But if you like the people you work with and work for, like I mentioned, that makes all the difference. That makes work a little less work, if that makes any sense. I think it makes you feel like you're part of something bigger. Um, so I just wouldn't always let the name of the company or the work you do be 100% the deciding factor. I would let you know, kind of how you feel about yourself in that company and how that company feels about you in it uh, matter a little more. That's amazing. And that is straight gold right there. And I have said it on this podcast myself, just because you can get the fanciest title at the fanciest company doesn't mean you should. You got to do what's best for you and find something that will make you feel fulfilled every day and totally agree. Um, then the money will come. Okay, last question for you, Nick. 15, 20 years from now, what will Nick DiGruccio be doing? What's your dream job? What are you going to be working on? Dream job would be to, to be retired, but I don't think that's in the cards for me. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I think the end goal now that I've been doing, you know, advertising, marketing media for about seven years, I think at some point I'd like to be a CMO. I think that would be really cool to be a chief marketing officer, to be able to kind of directly have a say on how things are done. And I think working in the agency world has given me that perspective, right? I know how the agency operates, obviously, but I know how clients operate and what's important to their bottom line and what goals and, you know, business pressures they have on their side. But I also know what it's like to work with, you know, the, the vendors and the partners that we work with, right? What makes a successful campaign? Like what audiences on those sites are consuming? What type of content, right? So I think at the end of the goal, that at the end of the day, that would be my goal is to be a CMO. And I also think at some point I would really like to give back and just be a professor, like an adjunct professor, maybe teach a marketing or media class. Um, I don't really care about the money in that regard. I just think it would be really helpful for students. And I know some colleges are starting to add these type of classes, but be helpful for students to know what this industry is, what we do, what to expect. Um, and I just like to give back, you know, I've been lucky to have a lot of great mentors. Um, I have one right now that I work with. I've been with her for over three and a half years who just always has my back, always tells me, you know, the truth about things. If I do well, she'll let me know. If I don't do well, she'll let me know. And having that honest feedback is super helpful. So I think for me being a professor or, you know, even doing something that you're doing now, just be able to give back and share my experience. Um, I've done some things right. I've done some things wrong. But if I can, if I can help one person at least listening to this or in, you know, the future class that hopefully I teach not make the same mistakes I did, just one, then that to me is a success because I've been able to give back and help people in a way that maybe I haven't been helped, you know, when I was starting out. Um, and I think that's, that's something that's important to me uh, is to pay it forward. And I think that's something I'd like to do if I'm able. Well, I love that. And 
I'm sure we'll have you on the business school podcast many more times, but I, I need you to pencil me in now for when you, when you're CMO of a big company and you have a million podcasts asking for your time. I hope you'll, you'll come back and be on again, um, at least then, but I'm sure we'll have you on a time. Absolutely. Awesome. I have loved this. I can't wait to get this out in front of the audience. I have so many notes that have been scribbling um, as we've been chatting. You are doing everything right, Nick. I'm so excited to, to get to know you more and to hear about your story. It sounds like you have just such a great network of folks that you work with um, who all have such a positive mindset and a great outlook. So that's amazing. I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to get people who are looking for you on LinkedIn and Check in to see if you're hiring. So I hope you get some good folks that come your way. But this has been amazing. Thank you so much for the time and coming on and sharing all of your knowledge with the Business School podcast audience. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's been a great journey for me. And, and for anyone listening, like Meredith said, if you want to reach out on LinkedIn, feel free. Um, the DMs are always open. I'm up uh, pretty much all hours a day. I like to say 24-7 like the Waffle House. So anything you need, any questions about the industry about me, uh, any advice, or if you're just looking for a job, if it, if it can't help you at, you know, the current company, obviously I have friends all over the place in different industries or different places in this one, happy to help. So just reach out. Uh, don't be afraid. I'm, I'm here. I'm open. I'm happy to help. Thank you so much. And we'll post your LinkedIn in the show notes too, so everyone can find you. Awesome.